0: Welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Today, you are going to learn how to outsmart emotional eating and live a life of happiness and joy without giving up the foods you love. Now, here is Dr. Nina. Hi,
1: welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I'm your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rocklin. I'm a psychoanalyst, and I am here to help you liberate yourself from emotional eating, take back control of your life, and feel good in your body all without dieting, spending hours in the gym, or counting a single macro. Yes, it is possible. Today, we are going to talk about doing a mindset makeover with Ryan Holtz. Let me ask you something first. Um, when you think of transformation, when you think of transformation, what do you think of? Do you think of a different body, a different mindset, maybe a different life? Today, Ryan is going to share the power of managing our mindset, mindset makeover, to create the life of our dreams. Ryan is a life builder with a successful track record, to say the least. Wait till you hear this. Not only does he own a successful creative media agency, voted the number one Black-owned marketing company in 2021. He is also the host and executive producer of the top 1% globally ranked Ryan Holtz show, which won the best black hosted podcast in Canada, focusing on health, society and culture and inspirational entrepreneurship. He helps other people upgrade their personal and professional lives by provoking thought and as he puts it, encouraging deposits into their soulful currency account. And today... He is here to help you do exactly the same. So welcome, Ryan. I'm so glad to have you.
2: Dr. Nina, thank you so much for having me. Listen, I'm having a plum-filled day as I was the last time we spoke.
1: A plum-filled day. I I just haven't been able to look at at, um, plums the same way. (laughs) or or uh well I don't really look at prunes so it really only applies to plums I have a plum tree so it makes me smile every time I look at those plums a plum filled day what is a plum filled day for those who who are not familiar with your particular expression
2: I think a plum filled day it's you know it is kind of the old adage where you know today started last night before we went to bed you know and I think a plum filled day for me is just waking up and yeah you know let's be honest I think people try to kind of flaunt this shiny object syndrome of, you know, let's wake up and feel powerful and almighty and we're gonna own our day. And it's, let's be real, I mean, we're human beings. I mean, the first 70 seconds, I kind of feel like, what the hell am I doing today? But once I kind of get into that morning routine, you know, I feel like, oh my gosh, you know, my day is going to explode because when we kind of digress and study life backwards, our life is just days is just miniature days built. So when you own your morning, it's true, when you own your morning, you own your day, when you own your day, you own your week, you own your week, you own your life. So a plum filled day for me is literally waking up and doing the stuff that you want to do on your own terms.
1: And living, dare I say, a juicy
2: life. 100%. Right. Pun so- intended. Plum <laughs> intended. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: So here you are with this amazing mindset but you 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 haven't always maybe had the life that you have created now. You've mm. definitely had some early traumas that yep. might have crushed other people. Yep. But instead you've you ended up thriving and yep. I think it would be helpful for you to share your story of personal triumph.
2: Well, you know, I I mean, it always goes back to, you know, I'm 13 years old with my, with my mom, you know, my mom was a single mom, my mom passed away, um, which, you know, basically left me with no parents. Um, You know, my mom had a very, it's really interesting. My mom was a very brilliant woman. And I, I'm, it, I I start to even realize this more and more as I even get older. And it's funny, because as a parent myself, you know, I don't think we understand how, smart or wise our parents really are uh, assuming that we did have good parents that cared because there's a lot of people out there that have the most terrible parents but my mom was amazing and I was blessed for that but you know my mom you know just growing up always had this kind of Ryan you can do anything you want in this world and really just pushing that confidence and so I feel like in some ways even though at 13 it's young to lose you know both your parents essentially she she geared me up as kind of a soldier to carry on Um, this life and I think the biggest thing was just that confidence and really really fighting hard not to go down that path of of victimhood
1: well you really internalized your mother's attitude towards you which was hey I believe in you you could do anything and because of that you were able to tell yourself that you could do anything and um and in that way I guess she lives on in you but she does it does but what do you say to someone who did not? And you alluded to it just a moment ago, people who did not have those kinds of encouraging, helpful parents. And I and I like to say, I I, I don't like to bag on parents. Like parents do the best they can given yeah. their circumstances. And yet, yeah. sometimes the the best that a parent does is not the right fit for us, or it harms us. And so mm. I like to say we want to explain what happened in the service of creating change, rather than blame, uh, which mm. doesn't help anybody. But what do you say? What do you say to someone who's like, I really want to change the way I think about myself, but mm. I got this voice in my head that's telling me, you know, you're you're terrible, you're a failure, you're never going to be mm. good enough, they don't like you.
2: Your change, it's funny because you use the word change and choice. You're right. I would never beg on parents in general, but the reality for your listeners, if we're listening, is that there's bad people out there. Uh, there's just not good people. And there's parents that I think make this choice to not be a great parent. And yes, they'll say, my childhood was bad. I did this. I lost that. I lost that. But the reality is, is that, Yes, that might have happened to you, but moving forward, it truly is your choice. So uh, it's really amazing how much parents impact their kids. And just this past week, I talked to a few um, ladies, and what I constantly get crazy about is they're successful, they're doing well, they feel good, but then you start really pulling back the onions, the layers, the, the skin... And everything kind of goes back. One lady said, look, you know, my dad from as early as I can remember told me why I couldn't do something or how I wasn't smart enough. And so, you know, these narratives that go into your brain, uh, they mean something and they matter. So I would say to somebody that's had similar, um, you know, dealings with parents or experiences that, first of all, you have to say, okay, what's happened in the past, as terrible as it is, we're living now, and we also have our future. So you have to simply say to yourself, and it's simple, I'm going to make the choice to start writing my own story and controlling my own narrative. The end. That is the first step. You you start doing that, I promise you, things are going to start just slowly, organically changing in your life.
1: And of course, how that relates to binge eating or emotional eating is that when we're telling ourselves we're stupid, we can't do anything, oh my God, you're such an idiot, how could you have done that? How could you have eaten that? Blah, blah, blah. That narrative is so, that voice is so horrible and painful, we, we can't tear ourselves down, we can't denigrate ourselves and lift ourselves up. Often people turn to food to escape their own mean voice that came from their parents. Mm. So yes, it's really important.
2: I want to elaborate on something too. When we take, there was a study done on people who have created, who have done violent crimes. And so they studied their brains. And so when we look at the amygdala, this is the portion of our brain that's emotion impacted, right? And when we look at the prefrontal cortex, this is the decision-making portion of our brain. And people who are listening to us today, I really want one thing to start you know, marinating in the brain is, we're going to be talking about things that are going to encourage them to start making love to their mind. I mean, we need to be seduced in our brain. And in order to do that, we have to understand what our brain is, what it does, because it is an extremely important uh, a function of our whole being. And when we start understanding why we bring in these thoughts, what thoughts are coming from the subconscious back end, it's going to allow us to really start kind of, for lack of better words, detaching from that initial emotion to react so the reason i bring up this study is they said okay they created a violent crime what's some commonalities there and so the amygdala in a lot of brains usually what they found especially with people who created committed the, the violent crimes was it was too big so that's the emotion part of your brain too big then the prefrontal cortex which is your logic decision making was too small so then they said well let's start getting some doctors and you know, psychiatrists and all these things in, which I am not, but, you know, based on my readings. And they said, let's just start doing some brain exercises like meditation. And what they found was the meditation would make the amygdala smaller and the prefrontal cortex bigger, which was amazing because it's like, well, maybe they were just very reactive. Maybe they're very reactionary. And so I think that based on our life and our circumstances and what's happening to us on a daily basis, we really got to sit back and just be like, Okay, that's why, you know, we anger management, stress management, you know, most people say, look, don't react, just take a couple deep breaths, sit with it for a bit, just slow it down a little bit, because this is kind of what we're doing in our life in a very passive, aggressive, minimal way that a lot of people don't even really understand that they're doing.
1: And we have what's called brain plasticity, which is, of course, just a fancy way for saying we can learn new ways of being. Oh. We can grow. We can change. We can develop. Oh. It is never too late. And 100%. I don't know about you, Ryan, but one of the things I hear a lot is, oh, but I, I've been doing this for so many decades. How can I possibly change? Well, you you know, do you have a heartbeat? <laughs> yeah you know, do you have a, do you have you know some brain cells going yes you can change what 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 do you say to that kind of attitude of it's too late
2: well i say i, I say a lot of things but we one of the things that add on to kind of what you're saying is people will also say look my grandpa was like this my dad was like this my dad's grandpa's dad's grandpa was like this and i and there's a great quote that says tradition is peer pressure from dead people Right, which means that what are we talking about? Bless their hearts about people who are, you know, one, two, three, four generations before us. And this is why we hear so many great stories of people saying, Look, so and so never went to university, our family was generationally poor and broke, and I was the one to come in and completely remix that whole timeline. So, what I would say to that person is number one, if I'm being honest they know deep down in their heart because their heart is always going to feel more than their logic because let's call it the gut sandwich is that they know they're lying to themselves, number one. And number two, they're using it as a cop-out because there's something that, you know, we say the notion of incremental progress is just our attempt to impose order on life, which means we tell ourselves, oh, we can only go step by step by step by step. But that's our way of just saying, we're really saying we're fearful of just going really fast and this is why you see in traditional life or organizations you know to be a partner at a law firm you got to sit there as a lawyer for like 8 10 years to to get to this next pay grade cuz you work for the government you got to put in you know 17 years of service we've always been told as kids all the way to adults that in order to get to to c you got to go to b when you're at a and that's just not the case anymore we can go from a to z if we're willing to put in the work and really confront the fear.
1: And silent the, silence the voices that say we can't. Often we stay attached to that way of being because that's how we unconsciously stay attached to our families. Like we're part of that. If, if everyone is poor and we stay poor, we're attached to our families. If everyone is poor and we go to college and do really well and make Dang. a lot of money, now do we not feel attached like logically of course you know you're attached to your family you're part of the family psychologically Mm. because it's not logical it's psychological psychologically we psychologically we may feel like now we're not a part of the family and just challenging those ideas are so important as well
2: and let's be honest uh, dr nina is that that might be the case because you know this when you're at a certain level of life and you're starting to take steps to climb up Well, you want everybody to join you, but the reality is most won't. And so there's a couple phases that happens when you break away from the pack. Number one, confusion. They're like, what the hell's going on with Dr. Nina? Who is she to say that she's going to start going and doing X, Y, and Z tomorrow? Then after that subsides, we go into the next phase. The next phase is, uh, you know, Dr. Nina, I don't know. I don't even know if I loved her. I don't even know if I liked her. Listen, who, who does she think she is? What that means is that you're now starting to show your pack that you're in. You're starting to do the things that were they were too fearful to approach. So that's only showcasing their own insecurities that they're now projecting onto you. Then the final phase is, oh, damn. Yeah, Dr. Nina's leaving. She, uh, yeah, whoa. Yeah, she's gone. That's it. And I tell people all the time, sometimes the price of of being your full self on purpose and, and really tapping into your greatness is a ton of loneliness because all those friends and family that you knew i promise you they might not be there and you have to be okay with that but the good news is you're there and you're going to start attracting other people that come into your life and that's why i like you know the quote your vibe attracts your tribe right they will find you when you're on your mighty mission you
1: are full of the great quotes today Tradition uh, is peer pressure from dead people, and your vibe attracts your tribe. Love yeah. it.
2: Yeah. And I mean, hey, listen, and we know this is a great hack. And this is the mindset makeover. But just like we're going to go into a department store or, you know, hey, we're in 2023 now. Let's be honest. I mean, we order a lot of clothes. We we try them on. They come to the home. And then all of a sudden, whatever you know, it goes on a pile and you ship it back. But let's just pretend we're still in the olden days. Olden days. We're going to go into a department store. We're gonna try on all these different outfits. We're gonna go check out what kind of hair we want. Now I'm a male, you're a female. I got curly hair, so I want my low fade. I-, I ain't doing no blowout over here, but you get what I'm saying. We talked about eyebrows earlier, but we're gonna check out what kind of styles that we want. And so some styles we're gonna say, no, 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 no. This make no, no. This is not me. I cannot walk out in public like this. Then you're gonna kind of shortlist it down, and you're gonna find something that's like, oh, I really like that. And so that's on the physical side of the makeover. But on the mental makeover we have to start telling ourselves different things we have to start putting ourselves in situations that we've never been in before we have to start doing things very differently because if we don't well then we're just going to be kind of stuck in the same spot
1: and to do that to to make different choices to put ourselves in new situations it takes a lot of confidence confidence yes. in ourselves and i know you have some hacks shall we say mm. um, some mindset mm. makeover perspectives mm. to to grow confidence can you can you talk a little bit about that
2: well let's let's kind of unpack what confidence is it's you know people always say like oh you're not you're so naturally confident or you're so naturally this or you must hear this all the time you know you're, you're so lucky dr dina it's like I, I mean, sure, there might have been a little good fortune in my future, but I'd be lying if I didn't say I was working my butt off and, and putting a strategy in place. But when we kind of unpack confidence and go back, and we've talked before, Dr. Nina, but I always like to kind of talk in, well, where do we want to go unless we reverse engineer the steps that it would take to get there? Because I feel like for your listeners, it's less overwhelming. So confidence is just small little Bite sized pieces of courage that you've actually executed on. So it's, it could be something as small as, you know what? I actually got a jar out this morning, Ryan, and I said every time I had a negative thought towards myself, I put a dollar in the jar and I did this for a week. And at the end of the week, I found out how many times I said something negative to myself. That could be that. But if we take courage and we wind it all the way back again, Well, now our courage is just going to, well, what is our actual place? Like, what is the promises that we kind of said we wanted to keep to ourselves, right? And so the biggest thing, way to get courage and then go to confidence is make the tiniest, tiniest, smallest promise to yourself. And this is just something that you might, it could be as simple as I'm going to wake up 15 minutes earlier in the morning and I promise to do this for the week. And at the end of that week, I promise you, because you kept the promise to yourself, that you're going to start feeling almost a little better. Because the sheerest way of of developing self-confidence is to keep the promises to ourselves. The second thing I want to say on this is, wow, people just, they crap on themselves all day long for their past. You know, last week, I wasn't supposed to do that. I don't know if I'm a good enough mom. I screwed up as a dad. Man, I could have did better at work. Like just constantly just poo-pooing on yourself all week long. And so you're you're literally telling yourself like this is not good. So we have to say, we have to start forgiving ourselves and just simply saying, look, we're human. We're flawed. I mean, we're just flawed individuals. And so we're going to have some bad weeks. We're going to have some bad days. We have a rule in our home that my wife and I practice. And so we're allowed, whatever happens, if something bad happens or whatever, we're allowed to sulk, cry, victimize, feel self-pity for 24 hours. Then after the 24 hours, we get the tissue, wipe our tears off, and we start coming, out, coming up with a plan to, to get whatever solution is needed for whatever problems in front of us. And it's something that we pass down to our children because you know they go to school, maybe it's a bad day, something happened, right? And that's another thing. We gotta stop making this nasty, evil thing around failure, right? Because every—let's be honest, people listening right now—they're like, "Oh my gosh, you know, wow." I I would like to improve my mindset, but but what if I fail, right? Because then there's the fear. But failure is the is a beautiful thing. So, I'm gonna give example of my six year old son. I, he goes to school, and one of the very first things I ask him when he comes home and when I pick him up is what did you fail at and are like what why would you ask that because they're like that's not nice you know failure again as adults oh don't fail And he's like dad you're gonna be so proud of me today because i tried this it didn't work but i know you're proud of me because i tried because in our household i don't we don't really necessarily care about the wins to be honest with you because you know we won cool we care about the failures and the and the try agains because these are the ones that take us to the good stuff. And so people that are listening, I implore you to go out today and try to fail at something. And it could be something as silly as you know, you just are maybe you're already a bad driver. Let's not try to fail more at that. But let, let's just say you you know, you you you're terrible at running or you're terrible at X. Start trying to fail more because growth is a product of failure.
1: Now, we're so afraid of failing because our society tells us that if we fail, we are failures, as opposed to, no, we are people who are trying and doing, and yeah, we fail, but that doesn't make us failures.
2: Dr. Nina, has somebody doing better than you ever hated on you?
1: Envy is a powerful
2: force, yes. Yes yeah but has but think about it this way most people that are doing absorbly better than you they're never looking back saying oh my gosh dr Nia is not doing that these people usually become mentors like the people that are saying failure is terrible and this net and you, you know where the you know the majority of those people are they're the ones that aren't doing anything they're not even in the game. They're just trying to tell you how bad the failure is going to feel because they're the ones still sitting in the in the stands that were too scared to ever join the game. They don't want to see you go to the game because that's just a reflection of, of their own insecurity. Deion Sanders, right? Everybody's talking about him. He's like, do not allow my confidence to offend your insecurities. Right?
1: My, my favorite way to describe this is when babies start walking. You know when yeah. babies start walking they 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 take a step and they fall they take two steps and they fall and nobody says oh my god that baby that baby is never going to walk that baby's a failure at walking we say hey baby those were two good steps get up and keep going That's and so yet cute. we don't do that to ourselves
2: Yeah. Yes. yeah right and and this kind of goes into the next point is Where did you, at what point, like, let's all ask, like, let's, I wish we could take like 60 seconds right now and just be like, have a moment of silence. Because the one question I have for everybody listening is, at what point in your life did you forget that you were a child? When did you lose that childlike curiosity? When did you lose that childlike nimbleness? When did you lose that childlike rigidity? When did you lose that childlike love? When did you lose that childlike joy? Joy? Joy. Will make somebody who's envious more upset than you having success or money. If you like, I got a couple. Of, I live in a retirement area. They're like, "Yo, man, who's this guy in his thirties, like living up in a retirement?" Because they were, you know, old and grumpy and probably lived a crappy life, but they got some money. And the best thing I do in my area, I ride my bike around with my son, and I start laughing, and I'm joyous. And you can tell the the older people that lived their life right. They're like, "Yeah, all right," you know. He's got, you know, he's on his dialysis machine at the end of his driveway. Like, yeah. Like, I, like I'm like i like, that dude, that dude lived his life right. But I can tell people that always lived their life comparing to their others, like what car they had, what house they had, because they got this grimace on their face. And so my wife and I always say, at what state of your life and mind are you at to actually get upset when you see a father and his kids having the best time ever riding their bikes? Like, think about that. You are in a very dark place. And Dr. Nee, you know this. What scares me the most is, for everybody listening, if we don't do our mindset makeover now, it doesn't get better. With age, it seems to almost sometimes get a little bit worse and more pronounced. Unless we're working on it. And I I just want to add this.
1: Guess what has never made anyone happy for a lifetime getting to some magical number on the scale. Because mm. a scale, a bathroom scale cannot measure your self-worth. And you may feel momentarily happy if you get to say your goal weight, but you will not stay happy because life mm. happens. So it's so important to find a new way of being in 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 your life and in the world, hence the, the mindset makeover and challenging some of the ideas that we have about what causes us to feel happy to feel content
2: to feel Uh, good and it's something that i i totally agree with because it kind of really does come down to you know i did this a video called the beast inside you and it went viral on the internet and my premise of the the video it's like maybe i don't know a two minute clip but i basically talked about the fact that why i like to go to graveyards and people are like, "Oh my gosh, man, you're you're a weird guy. Why? Who wants to go chill out in a, a graveyard?" But I basically said, "I go to the graveyard because I look at all this the the headstones, and I just wonder like who this person was, who loved them, who didn't love them." And I look at that, you know, 1902 and then the dash 2023, and I'm like, "Wait a sec. So it was 1902 they're born, you know, maybe passed away in 1997, whenever." But i'm like so that was the year they started that was the year they're done but that wasn't the year they quit hear what i'm saying that was the year they were done that dash was their life so i said i go to graveyards to remind myself that these people that are in the graveyard they don't even get a chance to quit and fail they're done that is it, that that's a very succinct and
1: sobering reminder of how how fast it sounds so trite but true how fast life is. So that's why a mindset makeover is so important. We're about to take a break, but when we come back, we're gonna talk more about this. I also want to invite anyone who's listening who wants to join the conversation or ask Ryan a question. Um the number is eight six six four seven two. 5792 866 Give us a call and join the conversation. All right, we'll be back soon.
0: Follow Voice America at facebook.com
2: forward slash voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
0: Are you tired of the endless cycle of dieting and binging, ready to break free from emotional eating and regain control of your life? Look no further than The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina, the transformative radio show that will empower you on your journey to food freedom. Dr. Nina is here to guide you every step of the way. Join her as she delves into the true causes of binge eating, uncovers hidden triggers, and gives you effective strategies for lasting change with practical tips and inspiring stories of transformation. The binge Cure with Dr. Nina will help you nurture a healthier mindset, embrace self-compassion, and rediscover your true self. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Have questions for Dr. Nina? Join her on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to The Binge Cure. We are talking about creating a mindset makeover with the amazing Ryan Holtz. So welcome back to the show. And we're talking about really how to be a human and how to feel good about yourself and how the things that... Like the diet industry tells (laughs) us that will make us feel good getting to a certain weight or even having a certain amount of money in the bank. All the things that our culture tells us, hey, this is going to make you feel good and good about yourself. They're really not true. It's an illusion. Um, But what what (laughs) does make you happy, that's what we're talking about today. And again, I want to invite you to join us if you're listening to the show uh, live. Okay, so... You've been sharing a couple, Ryan, you've been sharing a couple of hacks, how to be more confident Mm. that were super helpful. Um, One of the other things I know you talk about, which is very interesting for a dude in his 30s, (laughs) for a guy (laughs) in his 30s, you talk about (laughs) navigating life after 45.
2: Yes, yes. Um, It's interesting because people are like, "Why, why are you so like intrinsically like it you know thinking about that or or even putting yourself in that and i i think for i think it's again i kind of walk i i do walk my talk so because of my life growing up i always even a lot of my friends and circles were you know sometimes 5 10 years older than me and i just always had this kind of like old energy old spirit about me even when i was uh younger and so i always would look to Older people, because I just thought I always wanted to play life in a sense of like urgency. So for me, ever since I can remember, I've always been this kind of urgent person, meaning uh, I know when to chill and sit back, but I'm a complete sprinter that my sprints lead up to a long game. And what I mean by that is a sprinter, you know, you get in 100 meter, 200 meter, you run fast, it's done. And then you do it again, you know, maybe then, you know, in a couple months or something like that. For me, I've learned how to do that, you know, on a weekly basis. Sprint, stop, pull up, chill. Sprint, stop, pull up, chill. But the reality is, is that if you, you, you know, that is good as long as you can maintain that in a holistic, long-term way. And so I started really studying myself, and you know, you know, I, I even seen a psychologist. Everything to really study myself because I, I wanted to figure out. Why do I have such such a sense of urgency? And, you know, I remember going in and sitting down. I, I literally did one session with um with an amazing lady. I was 21 years old. And I think it was kind of in part because of my mom passing. And I I don't really think I dealt with that. I think once it happened, I went into survivor mode. And I said, okay, I'm just going to kind of suppress these emotions. And it was when I started playing football that it really started coming out because I had this healthy way to take out my anger and aggression. And my coach Lee said to me one day, he says, Ryan... One thing I love about you, and it's just completely savage about you, is when somebody's trying to hit you, because I was a running back. Anybody listening that knows football, they know know what a tailback is. I was a running back. So basically, when you get the ball, you got 12, 12 dudes trying to just absolutely pulverize you. And I never wanted to run away from them. I wanted to run through their soul. And that's when I knew that I just had this, like, thing inside me that was just a beast. And so this urgency came from... Not having and kind of like wanting to have, but realizing I never had. And so, I'll, my whole thesis in life was I wanted to accrue, I wanted success, I wanted material stuff because I never had any of that. And so, it's so urgent just to get it. And I'm like, if I went, like, I worked for a corporation for like, I don't know, two days, right? Because I was like, okay, like, how long is this going to take me to make this kind of money? Like, well, you know, if you put in a good 15 years, and I'm like, 15 years, <laughs> what if I don't have 15 days? Right. And so I'm like, whoa, 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 we got to redesign this whole plan. And Matt Higgins refers to this in his book called Burn the Boats as are you a base in life or are you an, uh, an edge? And so bases are what life is usually designed around, like school system, industrial. You know, most schools right now, they're still teaching based on somebody going and working in a factory. Right. Whereas an edge is saying, oh, my God, just because I'm not book smart doesn't mean I'm not going to do well in life. And this is why you see them as entrepreneurs and things like that. And so I figured out young that I was just different. And so my life was going to be different. Everything was going to look different. Anytime I wanted to do something, I was going to have to jump through hoops because nothing was designed for for kind of people like me. And so doing all these things early gave me so much experience. And it just, my mind went, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ahead. And I always say now, when you when you really talk to people who are doing things in a really big way and executing, most of them are living two, three years into the future. Like, great business owners aren't saying what's going to happen next month. They're trying to project what's going to happen two, three years down the line. And with COVID and the pandemic, we now know that two years can just change, ah, I don't know, maybe our whole being, right? And so going into the 45 range, you know, I'm 39 years old now, um, I see on the female side specifically because 70 percent of my clients on my coaching side are are females is they're they're coming into this this i call it the pit stop in their life so maybe they're at -at stay-at-home moms maybe they're raising kids and working maybe they weren't doing either whatever was the case they start getting into this wait a sec man i'm in my you know mid 40s Like, what am I going to do? And I'm talking, these aren't people that have done nothing. These are people that have done incredible things, making great money, great positions, own businesses, but they're still, they're, they're, they're having this, this thing inside them eat away saying, what, why don't I feel as, as, as complete as I should? And I just had this conversation yesterday with a lady and she said, I was told to go to school to become a doctor. And so that's what I did. And she's a she's a uh, a pediat a pediatrician, and she's like I do love kids and I love what I do, but she's like oh, I always wanted to be a painter, but my 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 family at a young age was like you're not going to make a living being a painter, and she's like Ryan I kid you not like this has been bugging me probably my whole career and and now I'm going to start doing some artistry on the side and and I might actually start you know scaling back my practice, and I said wow so I said. Do you feel like in some ways you li- you're living a counterfeit lifestyle? She's like, "What do you mean by counterfeit lifestyle?" I said, "Well, you're living a great lifestyle. It's just not one. It's just not yours." She's like, "You know, wow, like counterfeit lifestyle. If that doesn't hit your soul, I don't know what does." But she said, "I just feel like I'm living a lifestyle that was designed more so by my parents than it was by me." And so, why do I go 45 uh, and up and really focus on that? Because I was that person when I was a kid, because I remember vividly taking this job and going to school. And I remember, Dr. Nia, I said this, I wanted to be a psychiatrist. And I wanted to be a psychiatrist for all the wrong reasons. It was, I want to have a stable job. I want to do something that I think I could, you know, make a career out of for the rest of my life. Uh, I want to have something that I think I could make some good money. Like, it was just bad. You know, really, the moral aspect of why I wanted to become a psychiatrist was not cool. It should have been like, I want to help people like, you know, you want, but mine was all logistics related. And so I just thought, no, there's got to be a better way. And so I take what I've done in my life. I've kind of encapsulated. And now I'm helping people that would have been what I where I would have been if I would have listened to society. And now I'm helping those people
1: and and thank goodness for that because there's so many ways in which we're programmed to have that those counterfeit lives and mm. for many people bringing it back to people who struggle with emotional eating Um, and I often say, it's not what you're eating that is the problem, it's what's Mm. eating at you. And it's Mm. easier to look at like what you're eating than it is to say, oh my gosh, I'm living the wrong life. I'm living a counterfeit life. I'm living a life that is not fulfilling to me. It's not satisfying to me. That's a scary thought. So to be able to face that, bravely face that, it does take courage, but it's ultimately so leads to
2: liberation. Well, you know how they say like, even in business like don't sell like don't don't sell the problem sell the solution and so it's like even when you talk about things like binge eating or if like depression anxiety it's like well great that's the problem that's gotten so bad that now you're sitting in Dr. Nina's chair because it's gotten so bad that you're like I really want to fix this cuz living this way is becoming almost unbearable and you know then you're saying well you came to me for this problem big problem but this didn't happen overnight a lot of the time. There's these incremental moments throughout the journey. And so that's why I said at the beginning of our conversation today, I always try to take things and reverse engineer it and then follow the steps back, probably for myself too, just to understand it a little bit better. But it is a puzzle, you know, and to really figure out those pieces and that the mess and the sloppiness and the trauma and the tears and, all the nasty stuff. And here's the thing. I'll be honest, Dr. Nina. I love that stuff. I just do. I mean, even when I have conversations with somebody, if somebody tells me everything's good, I'm like, oh, boring. Tell me something salacious. I want to know something good. Like, you know, even if somebody hints at something, I'm like, oh, you having problems with your man? Ooh, let me talk about, okay, okay, what makes you say that? Like, I start going into FBI hostage negotiator, you know, I start doing labels and mirroring and all that. Cause I'm like, okay, what's going on there? You know, like, you know, to the point where some of you are like, oh, I, I'm never talking to him again. I think I, think I told him too much.
1: <laughs> I think you're a stealth psychologist, or maybe yeah. a, a, even better, a stealth psychoanalyst. Yes, looking at, like, w- it's never good to keep complaining about the past. That doesn't help anyone. But understanding how the past has informed
2: your present is really interesting. And it's what frees people. Well, you know, it, I, I'm going to ask you this and, you know, you can say uh, you don't want to answer, but I do wonder sometimes because psychologists, psychiatry, psychiatry, e- psychoanalyst, all these things, very, very interest, uh, interesting to me. My only apprehension on all of them was, you know, because of course you have to go to school, you have to become, I mean, I, I can't speak for the States. I know you go to school there, but, you know, we have the College of Physicians here in Canada, which is kind of like the regulatory body. Uh, over you know some of these practices and you know we've had issues in Canada here and I I bring up the name Dr. Jordan Peterson only because you know he's really renowned but I feel like in some ways and I'm not saying I agree or disagree with a lot or or, a bit of what he says but he's managed to deliver it in a way that is relatable to a lot of people which he's built this massive audience and so he's been punished for that in some senses right and so I just always thought man if you go down that path like how how creative and stealthy, you know, can you really be? You know what I mean? Like, you do it in a way, like, I'm sure... Uh, you, do you think of this uh, just as you're putting out your message and, and kind of growing your brand and pushing out your brand in a way?
1: What I think care? of... No, I, yeah, what I think of is... Um, Look, I am a detective of the mind and mm. I want people to join me in that. Like let b- detectives don't say that's a weird clue. That's a stupid clue. That's a gross clue. People say that's a really interesting clue. Let's solve the mm. let's solve the mystery with these clues. And I think the same way. Um let's solve the mystery of why you are doing something you don't want to do binge eating and why you're not doing something you wanna do, go to the gym, eat healthy, take care of yourself. Mm. Like, what's the reason for that? Because once we can identify what that reason is, what are the roots to it, Mm. then you can create lasting change. If you just focus on food as the problem, no, it's the solution to the problem. If you just focus on food as the problem, it's like plucking a weed and thinking it's not gonna grow back. You don't Mm. have to be a gardener to know it's gonna grow back.
2: What so. gets you? What gets you more excited in your practice, the result, or the discovery and path to the result? That is a
1: really interesting question.
2: Ah. Now I feel like I'm
1: on the Ryan Holt show. No. Yep. It's, <laughs> a no, co- it's, a, it's a conversation. It. Yeah, yeah. It's a conversation. It. No, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I think both. I think what really gets me excited is real. Is are those epiphany, aha moments? Like, oh, that's. What's happening here? Because that is, that I know is going to lead to the result they want. And it's, it, when people come in and they, it's, it's a mindset makeover in a way. They come in thinking terrible things about themselves. They, they, they Mm. don't feel good about themselves. They feel like they're failures. They, they're maybe things are going so well in other areas of their lives and they don't know why they can't get a handle on this. Mm. And to be able, and they think they're, they think they're food addicts. They think they have no willpower. They think they have no control. They think there's Mm. something wrong with them. They feel guilt. They feel shame. And to to, to realize, oh no, there is a reason you're doing that. Like, Mm. oh, you're, this is just an example, like a surface, like you're lonely and you're filling a void with food symbolically, and you don't even know it. And then once you know it, okay, let's deal with the loneliness, find other ways to be fulfilled and, and satisfied in life or you're you you can not stop eating chocolate well no you don't have a sugar addiction maybe you don't have enough sweetness in your life you could tell this stuff gets me excited so yes
2: because okay there's a quote right loneliness what is it loneliness is the tax we pay to atone for a certain complexity of the mind and so even when we talk because we talked about relationships right you think about all these people dating i mean I've been off the market for almost 11 years now, right? With my wife, but I like, I I even now I'm like all these apps and stuff. I'm like, it's like you're ordering Uber eats to your door or whatever. Right. But that's okay. But I'm like, what is, what like, are you, you don't like being alone. Why are you, you know, you know, these certain characters in your life are probably not going to pour the best into you. Why are we surrounding ourselves with such toxicity and negativity right now? You're, I always tell people, they're like, no, no, it was them, it was them, it was them. I'm like, listen, have you heard yourself talk? The only common denominator between you and these 16 people, guess who it is? You. You're the quarterback maybe, in your life. But maybe it's the 16 people because,
1: like, let's just say, just to, just to inject a little... <laughs> Pushback. Pushback. Push let's say, and sometimes it is them, but let's say you had a critical parent a you know some a critical father yep. and you're a woman and you're a critical father and then sure. you go out into the dating world and you just like those rejecting critical guys and you date a rejecting critical guy and then you break up with him and now you've dated 16 rejecting critical guys. Now it's time to look at okay, what is it about these guys that's familiar? Are you trying to change your relationship with your father through a similar person?
2: hmm But Dr. Nina, it's not those 16 critical crazy guys. Those guys are they're pawns in the universe. You are the quarterback of your universe. So, as I like to say, you're the one that opened the door and allowed them into your green room. Think about the levels of relationships we have in society, right? If I say, oh, you know, uh, do you know Dr. Nina? Oh, yeah, yeah. I say, hey, once in a while. I'm going to call that acquaintance. I'm not friends. I-, I know of her. I've talked to her a couple times. Then it's like, Oh, you know, I've talked to Dr. Nina on the phone a few times, like over the course of a few months, maybe like, I'm like, okay, okay, maybe it's a little more of an acquaintance. You know, I've had a a little bit of a continued relationship with her, but green room is like husband, wife, close family, kids, best friends. Like your green room is your sanctuary, right? And so a lot of people in society right now, first of all, they don't even know they're letting people in their green room. But the reality is that you're the one that created the lock on the green room. Of course, this is the world we live in. If you leave the lock that everybody has the code, everybody has the code. But you just said the root problem was maybe you had the father that was critical. Yeah. I'm not saying it's good for, I'm not saying it's good for the 16 guys to take advantage of that, but.
1: So, hmm. how, what, what would you say to someone who's, who say they, they, they want to make a change? They want to stop dating the critical guy or the critical woman or whatever. They want to stop, name it, name whatever the thing is. They want to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they just can't stay motivated. That's what they might say. Oh, I just can't stay motivated. I can't mm-hmm. stay on track. Um, I don't, or maybe I don't believe that I could be with a nice person or whatever mm-hmm. the case. Mm-hmm. What are some of your strategies for helping them stay motivated and putting I-, I love your other the other quote you said about putting deposits into
2: th- into their soulful yeah yep yeah. i mean motivation motivation's overrated and it's fleeting discipline is for life right Mot- people somebody says ryan i'm motivated I'm like, oh that's great I- i'll call you in two weeks and i'll see where you're at motivation is is garbage Motivation, okay, I should say garbage. Motivation, I respect motivation for the fact that if that is what it's going to take to get that initial initial step, then I respect motivation. But if motivation is going to only get your 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 gums and your lips to flap, it's useless. Discipline comes in and takes you to the promised land. So we have to say, okay, what's in between motivation and discipline? Well, the motivate between motivation and discipline is the person with said problem. And so I say to that person, is this problem painful enough for you to take this into your, from your have to in life to want to? Because when we wake up and we we study people that don't reach their goals, all their goals are in the have to pile. I have to do the laundry. I have to go to the gym. I have to. But when, they, when we start doing the little T-chart, we say, okay, where's all your goals at? Well, they're in the have to. You know, I don't want to do them, but I know the result's going to be great. Oh, that's... Okay, you know, I don't know, and I'm very white, right? Cool, but the have to is, you know, it's like it's like this baggage where when we get serious and we say no, I get to and I want to figure out my binge eating. I get to want to do this mindset makeover. Even listeners right now, I actually want to take what I'm listening to right now and I want to I want to attempt this mindset makeover thing. I want to. So now we're going into from motivation to. Okay, we're going to take some action. Then that action is into the discipline. My answer to your question is, there's no one answer. But the reality is, is that we got to get that motivation off and then get that discipline in. Because the discipline's the one, just like the scale you said. Well, sure, you, you lose five pounds and you're motivated. You're like, I lost five pounds. But that, that, that week you get on and you figure out that you gained two pounds back, motivation ain't there with you. You know what's there with you? Ooh, it ain't motivation. The little voice, ha Ha-ha. ha, ha ha. The motivation is the motivation is the wolf in sheep's clothing, ha ha. Discipline's like, come on oh. come on. Motivation is like, no, no, no. Stay with me. I'll make sure. Mm. Deceptive.
1: That's an excellent distinction. Absolutely, because motivation is just a, a state of desire Of desire and discipline is actually putting in the work.
2: Yeah, Peter, talk, like there's great, you know, a, a part of mindset makeover in, in our whole being, right? Because I really, I'm heavy on the peak performance. So I look at, you know, health, physical, mental. I look at monetary, money, social currency, right? I look at vibe currency. Hey, when somebody meets you or you walk into a restaurant or even me and you having a Zoom, like, do you have any vibe? Or are you just like, you know, this, this placeholder that I'll never remember in my life, right? And then we got to look at family currency, right? But the reality is is that we really gotta understand that our mindset makeover is everything about us, right? Everything starts with with your mind, right? And I, I like to say it, right? <laughs> Make love to the mind. Even dating out there. People out there, you're having a hard time dating, especially dudes. And you you know you're having a hard time getting getting the girl's number or the, the DMs or whatever. Focus on the mind. I promise you. You know, when you go up to them, don't do the one liners. Hi, Dr. Nina. I'm Ryan. Your eyebrows are really freaking fire.
1: Like do something. I don't know. You right? you, you had me at that
2: earlier. <laughs> it, it's I the eyebrows. You're right. You're right. It's yeah. You're right. Yeah, let's 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 focus on the mind, you know. People mental stimulation it's like, for example, if we look at our, our world, even in dating, uh, motivation, discipline, mental stimulation versus physical attraction. If you can mentally stimulate somebody, oh, my, it's forever. It's for physical going to die. Like physical can die, comes and goes. That's what motivation is. Motivation is equi- equivalent to physical. Discipline is mental stimulation.
1: Oh, so true. I just will sh- briefly share that when I went on a dating app where I eventually met my husband, I got <laughs> six hundred responses, um, and of, of that, of those six hundred responses, most of them were some so, some kind of version of "You're hot," yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in which I was like, delete. Uh, the yeah. other ones had very bad bad spelling and yep. no 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 can't because isn't with that. it
2: isn't it isn't it true though you your mind you you know you as a female you have to be calibrated before somebody can just make like, you're hot like start with earlobes say you have nice eyebrows say hey what's your goal like 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 mentally stimulate and like don't just come in and boom
1: yeah don't objectify us for goodness sake yes and. and my husband had a beautifully written, beautifully spelled um, email, and and he asked me about me, and he mentions things from my. He didn't say anything about my appearance. So to your point, absolutely, and that's why women like guys who make them laugh, because it that's intelligence, right? It it you're right. you're sparking something meaningful and and, in, and intelligent you're it's a meeting of the minds and it's a, mm. that shared moment as opposed to your heart you're the best you're the best we're the best
2: you're, you're, All
1: you're, right. you're the
2: you're, you're the best you're the best uh we got to talk a lot about more of these topics maybe in the future i like them
1: okay me too that's uh, that's my that is my met uh, my life blood here I, I always say, go deep or go home. Oh. I, I knew someone from Texas and he used to say, go big or go home. So, as a psychoanalyst, go deep or go home. None <laughs> of this surface stuff. I All right. I, I have one. We, we only have a few minutes, but I want to ask you this one last question. Sure. What would you say to someone who is struggling to find their passion in life? Like some of us are lucky enough to know I want to do that. I have to do that. I am drawn to that. Other people are kind of like, I don't know
2: what I want to do. Write a list of everything that you don't like to do. First off, just clear that right out of the bank first, because that'll alleviate some of that mental pressure that you're getting by trying to find out what you do like. Because once you figure out what you don't like, there's a portion of your brain that's going to open up to receive what you do like. And I always say, go back to your childhood as early as you can remember. Some of those first thoughts, like, you know, I got friends. that are like, I just really enjoyed putting stuff together. I love taking it apart, putting it back together. They're mechanics, engineers, you know, own construction companies. Okay. The root of that is that. And then I would say the second all is don't just say, what's my passion? Ask yourself who you want to be.
1: I love that, beautiful. Okay, um, that brings us to the end of of the the show. But I want, please, I want you to tell people how can they find you? How can they find your show? How can they reach you?
2: Oh yeah, yes, yeah. Please, uh, I have my own uh, show, Rhino Show podcast. We bring on thought leaders, celebrities, and our whole mandate is helping people do business and life better. Um, I have my company go to rhinos.ca. Uh, I am doing a a marketing mayhem masterclass, uh, in I think six days. That's just really going to uncover, you know, really how to push your brand online, but Google me. I mean, other than that, I have lots of free stuff. Read it. I'm here to help. And I, I, our whole thing is you are one-on-one and you should act like it.
1: Ryan, thank you so much for being here on the show. And that is it for The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I'm here every Wednesday. No, no, I'm here every Thursday. What am I saying? <laughs> I'm here every Thursday <laughs> at, at, at noon Pacific here on Voice America. Take good Dr. care. Dr. Nina's and- mentally stimulated. <laughs> <laughs> and I will see you next week.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Each week, she offers valuable insights to stop emotional eating and give steps to lead a joyous life. Tune in next Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.